Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Tyler from Bakersfield. And the name of Tyler's story is Pastor Comes Out of the Closet. Now, Tyler, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and it seems to me like we always have pastors that are talking about, you know, hellfire and brimstone for people that are living an amoral life. And, uh, and, and then before you know it, you find out that they're no different than the people they're chastising. They're kind of going through it. <laughs> and so this story is dealing with a pastor coming out of the closet. Is this a pastor you know, or is this a friend or family member? The floor is yours. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, so the story is about me. So I am a pastor that has uh, since left the ministry and come out of the closet completely as a identifying as a gay male. So that's uh, that's something that's a lot different from the world of the stuffy religiousness that I was in, in an independent fundamental Baptist church. So it was uh, definitely a lot to say the least. Um, but I, I started off, if, if I just start from the beginning, um, back in Bakersfield, uh, 1991. But um, my mom had me when she was around 16. So um, it was really interesting. My, my real dad, I don't really know. It was um, kind of a, a weird family dynamic, as you'll, you'll hear as we go along. Um, but my mom ended up having me when she was 16. Um, with a guy that was around 19 or 20 at the time. Um, he ended up going to jail um, for a bunch of other drug-related charges and also trying to, you know, get with a minor and all this other stuff. Um, that being said, as I'm trying to be an open book <laughs> on it, like that being said, um, my mom was really heavily influenced by her religious adopted parents. So my mom was adopted as well. So she goes in there and is pretty much trying to survive as a 16-year-old woman in uh, Southern California <laughs> with um, only um, a, a almost completed high school diploma. So um, my mom ends up taking me to class with her. Um, I go and it's <laughs> I'm going all the way through the ranks of its high school associates, uh, bachelors, and all of that. So um, being held by some of the teachers at times and all of that stuff, but I, I finally was able to, to kind of grow up under that same tutelage of my, my mom under my grandparents. So it was yeah, very I, uh, interesting. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask you, was this a situation where your dad was, was kind of never in the picture? So did you grow up yeah. not really knowing what a dad was, so to speak, other than grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. Grandpa was, um, well, I called him Papa. Um, he was the closest thing to a dad I've, I've ever had. Um, that and um, one of the guys we'll, we'll talk about later as well that ended up kind of not being so much of a dad figure to me. So, um, but yeah, to, to say the least, my grandparents were kind of the ones that stepped in the gap. Um, my mom had her own journey and, um, you know, right now, thank goodness, she's, uh, she's going on three years sobriety. 
But back then, that wasn't the case. Um, so it was a lot of struggling with her own addictions, her own stuff as well, not being there in my life either for a good amount of it. Um, she was there, but it was very hit and miss. And it was mostly my grandparents that were kind of the ones pushing uh, me to do better and to keep going to church and kind of keep being this good Christian boy. Um, but a lot of that changed. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ty- Tyler, <laughs> sure. you, you and I have something that's kind of incredible in common. Um, my father was, was never there. I've, I've only seen my dad once in my life. And that was when I was five years old, he took me fishing and it felt like I was mm-hmm. forced to go fishing with a stranger. I, I didn't really know who he was. And if I found out Jeez. tomorrow that he was no longer on the earth, I, I wouldn't feel sad, not because I don't have a heart and empathy and care about people, <laughs> but it's really hard to feel for somebody that you never had a relationship with, period. So yeah, that, that, would be a, that would be a negative, right? But in that gray, uh, gray cloud, I had a silver lining in the form of I grew up with my grandma. Um, mm. What I didn't realize is that my mom and dad were divorced. My grandma and grandfather were divorced, right? So I'm living on oh, one uh, on one half of one <laughs> half of the family, right? And oh, and it's it's just kind of interesting. But those are the things that shape us. So I yeah. I, I grew up kind of with a notion that guys were kind of uh, jerks, and that uh, you know maybe someday I would grow up to marry my princess. I assume that's kind of how your grandparents and your mom were hoping you would grow up and you fooled mm-hmm. them, I assume, right? So you're growing up through elementary, oh, yeah. junior high and high school. Were you dating girls or were you saying, oh, she's hot and living kind of a, a lie? <laughs> or were you hardcore religious where you didn't curse all through childhood? Give us an idea of what made you uh, even go down the, the pathway of maybe you know becoming a pastor. Yeah. I mean, if I can just admit all, all of those things are all true. Um, you, you hit it directly on the head about me because I was a, I was a nasty cocktail of all of these um, different potions, or I should say, so to speak, that were kind of put in my life. And um, a lot of it, it felt like was, it was kind of pushed down my throat. A lot of times when I was younger with my grandparents, um, I didn't, know my dad whatsoever. Um, I just found out he's still alive. Um, found out that he is actually a woman now that I did not know and even tried to friend me on Facebook and shit. So like, I get the awkwardness. Like I'm like, I don't want anything to do with you. So I, I relate a hundred percent on there too. But, how, old are, um, how old are you, Tyler? I'm 29. 20, okay. 29. So I'm 44. I know this sounds crazy, but I hear all these stories about people changing their sex. And, and you, mm-hmm. think, you think that would be somewhat uh, understandable for somebody that's maybe a teenager that's grown up always believing they were part of, you know, the other gender. But I hear, yeah. this, a lot, I hear this a lot about adults. So when we hear the Caitlyn Jenner story, you kind of lived that mm-hmm. in real life. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, in that's, the last year. That's an interesting <laughs> thing. Now, even though you're gay you're part of the LGBTQ community. Is that something that's hard to accept, even though you are gay? Or is that something that you just say, you know what, everybody has to leave, live their life? How did you view that when you found that out? To, to be honest, like, you know, and I never want to, I never want to sugarcoat how I feel on it, because I feel in that moment, based on the things that happened to my mom, the things that were going on with me, not ever having a dad, and then, you know, a lot of other shit, which I'll talk about later happened. But um, because of all of that, it, it, it really frustrated me because it, it allowed me to not be able, I wasn't able to vent it at a group. 
because I am the group. And, and that was the thing that even at this first part of the story that I'm not seeing yet, that, that I am a part of a group, even though I'm looking at people as, oh, those are, those guys are just acting really gay. And I would say shit like that. And legit, I swear to God, man, the, the biggest thing, and I'm even getting goosebumps of the thing that really changed my mind about that was I went on a walk one day to Sonic and I went with my buddies after Christian school. I went to Christian high school, skipping ahead a little bit, um, went to Christian high school and I ended up um, going with my good friend that uh, started talking about how he felt um, gay people. He used another derogatory term that I won't use, but pretty much said that the best place to put people like that is probably up in Antarctica or some shit where they'll freeze. And I'm like, and everyone around me is just kind of laughing and all that stuff too. But this is a Christian school environment. Okay. And even then, even though it wasn't, it was never like, they were never reprimanded on anything like this, any homophobic bashing, anything like that, because it was never processed in their mind or even in my mind that I might be that person. And I knew from a very young age that I like, I like the same gender a hundred percent. I did. I knew that shit when I was in the first grade, I knew that. And Tyler, you know, you're, you're not, you're, <laughs> you're not so young that you probably don't, do you remember when we were little kids? And if I'm sorry if you didn't experience this, but but we did. We would play games like Smear the Queer. And and then this mm-hmm. is like in second and third and fourth grade. The, someone would kick the kickball up and whoever caught it, they were the queer, right? And everybody would go and try yeah. to tackle them. And it's funny because I can remember sometimes the teachers would be like, what are you guys playing? And someone would yell, smear the queer. And the teacher would be like, okay, be gentle. Let's be not. I, and it was just, and then we would, and then we would go into the school and play hangman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? right? And, and, and it, just horribly, horrible things. It was a subtle racism and subtle bigotry that we just, we didn't really see it as that but the reality is i've talked to many many gay friends and and acquaintances through the years and almost all of them to a t basically say hey i knew from a very early age because when i was in kindergarten and first grade there was that little cute girl that i had a crush on in your case you just knew that whoever you had a crush on it wasn't one of the girls is that yeah true oh yeah and oh yeah and i and i and I used a cover girlfriend as well. And that's the thing is that like I had layers upon layers of this stuff because I had to. And, and, and that was like my mind telling me that, that I had to, because I'm not one of them. And, and that was the big thing. I'm not one of them. And there is something that's dividing me from these people. And I feel like, I'm I'm different because I'm Christian. I'm different because I'm Baptist. I'm different because that was only a few times. That wasn't anything that really is my real heart. If God knows my real heart, he knows that um, the hours on hours on hours that I spent praying and hoping that I could change it, but I couldn't. Um, the months in conversion therapy, that shit. That was something that that I'll, I can jump into more in the next part too. But um, th- that was something too that really 
allowed me to see that it's not it it's not any more of us versus them it's them versus me and it's the the longer i had that in my brain it just stayed with me that this really isn't where i belong and it, i don't know how much longer i could i could stay in that space and feel authentic because i created a fake self of me in my opinion and he was a nice religious guy he was a youth pastor he had his had his stuff together he had you know sermons down point he had his keynotes looking nice he had all of this stuff going for him and it just seemed to all go away and it? it's, yeah. it's 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 around fourth fifth or sixth grade where the boys start to notice that the girls are starting to wear makeup um mm-hmm. some of them are starting to um you know how girls kind of mature a little bit earlier but either way, I noticed in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, that's when the guys start to notice the girls. Because before that, they're like, ooh, girls have cooties, right? Were, were, <laughs> were, were, you, were you kind of in that same spot where, you know, when you're in first and second grade, girls have cooties, no big deal. But as you got into fifth and sixth grade, did, did you start to notice boys start to get interested in girls and mention them around you, especially if you were maybe with an older kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it, my thing was that I was too afraid to, I was too afraid in general to ever let anyone know I was gay unless I had a, um, unless I had a huge, like trust with this person. And even then that was one or two people, um, up until a few, a couple of years ago when I came out. So that's, that's the craziness of it all. Like this entire time, uh, for 28 years, I maintained a really, really good lie. And I had layers upon layers, like I'm telling you, like to the oh, point so that I was so about te- to get engaged. Yeah. You're, you're, so you're telling me if I meet you three years ago, you're still going to swear up and down that you're straight? Mm-hmm. Just three years. Wow. No I, I, I had no idea, Tyler, that this was yeah. a recent <laughs> thing. I'm so used to people oh, yeah. saying, I'm so used to people saying, yeah, back in 1989. And, you know, and then they tell this story. It's like, oh my God, how old are you? Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of shocking, but even though mm-hmm. we live in a world that's way more accepting over the last 10 years than it was maybe 30 years ago, it still wasn't mm-hmm. accepting enough for you to kind of jump out of the closet and say, this is who I am. So yeah. um, did you have a situation where in fifth and sixth grade, did you have to maybe try to ask a girl out? Is that when you first approached girls? Yeah, I, I felt that um, I had a fake crush. So here's, here's, the, here's the crazy part. I had a I had a fake crush on a girl, and I'm saying fake crush because I wasn't even looking at the girl. Um, her name was Courtney, and um, there was another guy that was sitting next to her that I was always looking at, which his name was Andrew. And the thing is, is that I know that because how do I remember Courtney's name? Just because I used it as a computer password even to make it look like I was thinking about her, but I actually wasn't. I was thinking about the guy that was right next to her, Andrew, the entire damn time. But Tyler, it was one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, Courtney's, Melanie's, they're uh, Debbie's that they're always hot. It's, Courtney's pro- it's she's always, probably a cutie. Was she a cutie looking back? Would guys like her? Oh, definitely. No, she was she was literally like the one she was like, um, it's it's the modern Karen stamp on like women that have the short 
hair. I'm not, no offense to anyone that might have it, but if you're like, that person kind of looks like a Karen, she was like, that person looks like a Courtney. It's every Courtney to me always kind of look like that. So I was like, like a cheerleader, cheerleader to like, me, right? I can already see <laughs> Courtney's pom poms and her Valley girl uh, lingo. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So that was like, you know, and, and she thought I was very nice and everything too. And, and for me, because I was always generally looking in her direction at her table at the guy that was sitting right next to her. Um, people just started making up shit that I liked her. And I just kind of went along with it because it was easier than going against the grain. I got to ask you, I'm a jerk. Did, did you end okay. up, did you end up kissing Courtney? No, no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh God. No so we've got about a minute before break, but I got to tell you something <laughs> real quick. So I had a friend okay. in high school that I, I love like a brother, even though I never talked to him anymore. Um, he, I saw him at Bally's. It was a, a workout place. Yeah. And, and he was overly heterosexual. He's like, dude, we're going to go get some, you know, some tail and we're going to, we're you and I, mm -hmm. we're you, me, we're going to get together. It's going to be mint. We're going to get women's. We're going to get this, that, and the other. Right. <laughs> I find out 20 years later, he's gay. So yeah. he, he was, oh, he yeah. was going out of his way to show how straight he was. He really just wanted me to go out on a night on the town with him. I think, I think that's what the, oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we uh, do get back, we're going to finish this interesting uh, story with Tyler, or I should say continue. So we'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. 
Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Tyler, we're back. So, you never kissed Courtney. But that's the age where boys and girls are starting to kiss, right? I mean, you might even play yeah. spin the bottle. Did you have any awkward moments at this point in life? Or is that maybe a little later down the line, if at all? Oh, geez. So, like, to to kind of to move it up to the next area, because this is going to give a lot of content, I guarantee you. Um, because Courtney, no, it didn't really go anywhere with her. Um, I just kind of made this thing where I was really sad you know, and I just made myself extremely sad that I lost contact with this chick that I know nothing about. And um, after that, you know, people were still kind of asking me uh, up until I graduated um, if I was interested in some more girls that were in my Christian school. And no, not really interested. And I would blame it mostly on where I lived in New Mexico. Not that I'm racist, but I just was saying mostly that like, no, I'm I'm just really not interested in like small town girls. I, I really want to go into a city, which my actual thought was, if I could just get the fuck out of here, then I can actually be me somewhere else without this redneck town. Pardon me, all rednecks, but I come from a family of them. So I think I'm okay saying that. But there's, um, I, I was living in a small little town in New Mexico at the time after my mom and my newly minted stepdad um, are able to finally get along and move out uh, for the oil field transfer kind of thing. So Farmington, New Mexico, if you don't know where it is, is really northern New Mexico, right on the border of Colorado. So 45 minutes away is Durango. We get a couple feet of snow kind of thing like that up north, usually. Isn't, um, that, isn't that where like hantavirus is from? Oh, yeah. Hantavirus. That kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got. Oh, you know, so, Hanta? You, yeah. so you've got hantavirus and these ugly chicks that are making the boys turn gay. Right. I mean, sometimes a woman <laughs> can it. be so repulsive. You're just like, I'm going to go. It's not my fault. Yeah. yeah, it's not your <laughs> fault. Tyler, just in case people can't see you, you, you look like a really good guy and, and you look you're you're actually an adorable guy. You seem like the type that Thank would get you. chicks that would hit on you like crazy. Did you ever have any guys subtly hit on you in high school or, or anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was a thing I didn't know. But there was a few people that I was in high school with that actually came out a few years later. And these were actually guys that I had like mutual crushes on that they liked me and I liked them, but we didn't know because our small Christian school was less than 50 people. So well, that's, that's the thing I was getting to earlier when I said homely girls oh, yeah. and, and it, because let's say there were some pretty girls, how many can there mm-hmm. be in a class of 50 where maybe 12 of them are in your age group? I mean, it, it really is kind of one of those things where I bet even if you were straight, there'd still be a piece of you that'd be like, get me out of here. <laughs> Yeah. It, oh, yeah, exactly. It's like it was way too it was way too uh, hokey for me. So um, I ended up going to Bible college and leaving that podunk little town into a bigger podunk little college, which was around 120 people. I'm moving on up and um, and that's in Chandler, Arizona. So I ended up leaving at around 17 and a half from Farmington. Wait a minute here. In Wait Arizona. a minute, though. I know for a fact there's good-looking women in Chandler. Therefore, there must be good-looking men. Chandler is pretty much an extension of Mesa, Tempe, and Phoenix, right? 
So at this point, there mm-hmm. must be an eye-opening situation <laughs> where you're like, hey, there's some good-looking people out here now, whether it's a podunk school or not. When you leave the school, you've still got a nice area there, right? So, oh, yeah. So let me ask you this. You're going to a college um, that's Bible-based, I'm assuming, or Christian-based. It's, it's mainly just ministerial-based. So Okay, so, yeah. so this is for people that are getting ready to join the ministry. Yes. What were you thinking? I, I equate that to a person. I was speaking to one of my guests a couple weeks back, and I was saying, hey, how come if you had weight problems, how come you didn't maybe catch yourself at 300 or at 250? Mm-hmm. In your case, mm-hmm. you know that you're going this path of fire and brimstone preaching, yet mm-hmm. what? Is that the best way to protect yourself? Are you in protection mode? I can't let people know. Well, so let me fill in the blank because there's there is definitely a blank on – what kind of pushed me into it. And that's where the story gets interesting. So around, around that same time, right before I make the decision to go to Bible college, I find out about this amazing site and it's called Craigslist and Craigslist, right? Back in the day used to have that men seeking men or casual encounters, that kind of shit during in the personal areas. So this was all pre-grinder, all pre-scruff, all of the gay app stuff, if you know, or if you've heard of them in any way in the media, this was all pre-that, okay? And that wasn't too long ago. And um, when I was going on Craigslist, I was supposed to hook up with a guy um, because that's what I ended up doing in high school. Wait, are you, high school are, you a, was, are you a virgin though? Aren't, virgin, um, aren't virgins, whether yeah. they're straight or gay, aren't they still wimpy when it comes to knowing what they want sexually? Because when I was yes. a virgin, I was like, I was begging for a woman to rape me. Is that is that normal? <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not begging you're like, for a guy I'll to rape you, right? That doesn't sound normal at all. <laughs> no, <right? laughs> no. But like it's but like unironically, though, that's what ended up happening. And that's that's what happened when I went. And I thought I was meeting a guy that was in his early 20s around my age, like 17 and a half within three years kind of thing. Um, No, there was a like a 46 year old guy that answered the door. And I am a (laughs) young fledgling, still have my Twinkie body a little bit more. And I didn't really know what to do and ended up... um, kind of being forced into a really bad sexual encounter with this guy. Wow. And you're one kidding. that I, yeah, no, that was now, now let me, let so, me ask you this. Cause, cause you look at me, I look like a girl. I'm so little, right? <laughs> you look like an NFL <laughs> lineman, though. You look like you're a good two fifty. Were you a small guy yeah. at the time? And was he bigger and stronger or was he? Yes. Looking, it was like Dracula, and he just took you. <laughs> He's Dracula. He's not Dracula, is he? That's a, no, no, definitely not. But it was, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I've I've always had like broader shoulders and that shit. But um, it's he was definitely bigger than me. He was probably twice my size, kind of thing. And and he was, and he was not coming over thinking fun date night watching a TV. He was thinking I'm going to come over and I'm going to get what I want and. Well, I went over to his house. So that, that was why. And so as soon as I entered, really, I felt like I lost a lot of control at that point because behind closed doors, it's, he said, he said, apparently in this case. And that's one of the things that like, I don't feel like, I I feel like he probably did not intend 
to, and I see that's even like some shit too, that I'm working through, but like, I don't know necessarily if that guy even knew that he was forcing himself as much as he was, because I've been in the gay world enough where there are guys that are pushy and there are guys that are handsy. There are guys that are very like aggressive and that's just how they're trying to be expressive. But during that, they violate and cross a lot of lines. And that's, that's where like kind of that me too kind of thing in the gay community should come in more because there are a lot of people that I know that have been put in really, really horrendous situations and blackmailing situations, all of the shit, all because they wanted some dick. That's it. Like, is it that difficult? Like, apparently it is in small towns. Yeah. Tyler, are we having a gay me too moment here? You and me? We are. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Staring in my eyes. (laughs) Your eyes are mesmerizing. Thank God. Thank God. We've got screens between us. I know. know. God Um, almighty. So, so here's the thing. Okay, be honest. Was were you a virgin yeah. at that time? Mm-hmm. Because I was. That, I, that must be really your life. Literally, must have changed when you went back home and you wake up the next day. Is your innocence kind of gone and shattered, or are you feeling guilty? I I feel guilty. I feel that God had that happen to me because I was a Calvinist. I believe very strongly in the teachings of a theology called Calvinism, which that God ordained everything. And God is so good that he can even use our nastiness for his goodness. So I felt in some way that God was going to be able to use this and I deserved to be raped pretty much um, by this guy because I was disobedient and not following up on actual heterosexual desires, which I thought were anything other was, was sin. Wait a minute, Tyler. Nobody nobody deserves to be raped so so let's say that first mm-hmm. off but there was this famous course, song there was this famous song that um i is, i forget who sings this song that says jesus take the wheel who is that is i that forgot Carrie, but that i know Carrie Underwood, right? so so as a Cal, as a calvinist calvinists are kind of robotic christians they believe that they are like destined to go to heaven or destined to go to hell and same mm-hmm. with you right or same with others right yeah Oh, yeah. So in a weird way, it was all black and white. Right. So it wasn't you driving to this 46 year old's house. Jesus took the wheel, pulled you over there. (laughs) Right. And then whatever Uh happened, whatever happened, you you were changed. So I know this sounds horrible, but you said earlier that, you know, there are some positives that come out of negative situations. Maybe this was God's way of saying that you're supposed to be with a woman. Or was there some blessings in disguise? And did you realize? No, this is who I am. I'm going to 46-year-old men's houses. No, I don't want to do that in the future. I'm learning from this mistake. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you weren't going to a 46-year-old woman's house. So, obviously, there's a little bit of freedom or liberation that comes from this act. The act goes horribly. You don't deserve, you know, what happened to you. But from this point forward, is being straight out of the question or? Well, being straight to me was a choice of choosing a different world compared to that. And that's what I was comparing it to is that I then classified all LGBTQ plus people, even though I would be a founding member of it is that I would group myself as I am trying to um, recover, but I'm not 
like that's not at all um that's not at all what's happening it's it just seems to me like i'm getting more hateful towards one group and a lot of that you know like people some people won't blame me for that and say like well i had a bad experience so you know fuck all those people well that's a big problem though when your identity is really tied up in it and so it's the same thing like kind of what happened to my real dad it's like I'm in a juxtapositions here that I don't know what to do or who is right and who's wrong. But all I know is that I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a 46 year old guy that rapes a 17 and a half year old, but I do know that God wants to do something with my life. So I, I go past the guilt. I put it aside the best that I can. And I say, I'm dedicating my life kind of from here on out to God and I'm going to rededicate my life. And that was a common theme all throughout this time is that I would go and I'd fuck around or whatever, which is exactly what happened in Chandler because that's when I got there, I was, I hooked up probably the first week I was there for Bible college. And let me, let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, One of the things that happens when we're young and enthralled in sexual stuff is usually there's some alcohol and maybe some weed around too. Were you starting to Mm -hmm. party a little bit? Uh, Was it becoming, did you get any addictions out of it or were you just, were you addicted to sex at this point, even though you might be? I was pretty much just, yeah, no, I, I was pretty much addicted to the thrill of it. I, I, the first time I, I smoked weed was a couple of years ago, honestly. Um, because I, I honestly didn't want anything to cloud my mind or my judgment. And I kept a very literal interpretation of the Bible. Like I really did not want to do anything else that I would try within my power to do, to try to make God happy. So I was living my life for God, but never for myself ever, even though I was doing a bunch of stuff for myself and I was a selfish person by using the system like that. You're not, you're, you're not Catholic, but I'm sure, you know, Catholic priests take a, a, a vow of celibacy, right? Where they're not supposed to yeah. uh, have marriage or any type of sexual this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. Um, but in a weird way, mm-hmm. we, we know um, that about 30 to 50% of them are gay based on, you know, however they yep. figure out these things, right? In a weird yeah. <laughs> way, in a, in, a, in a weird way, were you going to use being a pastor as a way to, um, kind of be single forever. Uh, and, and I know as a mm-hmm. pastor, you can get married, but was there a piece of you thinking, oh, I could just tell people I'm married to the Lord and therefore I won't ever have nope. to deal with women. Or were you thinking I'm going to marry a woman and make it the whole family church thing. And, and were you kind mm-hmm. of thinking I'm going to have sex in the background with men? Um, so what I, what I wanted, and that's a good question because like it's, it's so hard to, to nail it down because for me, it was, it wasn't just like, it wasn't for me, just the sex because the sex is a site is a byproduct of it. Uh, and, and I still believe that like sex is, is a byproduct of a healthy relationship. But like, if, if I just get sex and that's all I get it, I've, I noticed really quickly, it was pretty empty. And the thing is, is that I know that, I mean, Ecclesiastes and the Bible talked about how vanity and is, you know, vanity on vanity, all these different things that you do to try to chase after things that is like chasing after the wind. And I kept telling myself that, that like, you know what, um, I'm only going to, you know, do this when I absolutely need to. And that was kind of, I left, I left it up to my own discretion, which was a terrible idea, but I, I made a commitment though, to this girl um, that I, 
started seeing because I was friends with her for three and a half years. And all of our friends said we'd be great together. What was her name? And Priscilla. Did Priscilla. you ever, did you ever, and, kiss, did you ever kiss her? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. You did. Okay. <clears throat> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, the, is this the one that's mm-hmm. going to end up becoming a fiance? We have about a minute till break. I'm just trying to, to figure oh, out. Yeah. Things are oh right. yeah. This is it. So <laughs> this is it. So uh, Priscilla and I were dating on and off for about three and a half years when we weren't dating, I was fucking guys. When we, when we were dating, I was committed. Um, but, you know, whenever there was a break or whatever like that, I would immediately go and get my fill in more ways than one. Insert any gay joke you need to. But you know what I mean? Like, that's the that was our relationship. Did you, did you and, and her? Did yeah. you and Priscilla have sex, though? Or was it kind of like a sexless marriage where you had sex as little as possible? It was it was pretty much like the extent of it was just like a hand job and oral stuff. That was pretty much it. Not to be so graphic with everyone, but like, that's all that it was because I wasn't doing it to her. She was doing it to me. And even then the entire time I was just thinking about other guys that was getting me off while she was doing it because I would not at all be interested. And I wasn't like, she would have to kind of coerce me into it in a way and was normally the one that was initiating it. I never initiated it. And you're, that's one of the things. <laughs> you're such a you're such a jerk, Tyler. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So Tyler, while we were on break, I was trying to say another prayer because I'm Catholic. So I thought maybe a Catholic <laughs> prayer will work hardcore for you. I was like, Lord, let's bring him a good woman. But I don't know. You just look really happy. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay. So, so you've got, you. so you've got this really cute, you've got this really cute girl, Priscilla. She just really loves sucking you off and she's okay with you not even touching her. <laughs> do you think, do you think she suspected at all? Or did you, were you really manly with her? <laughs> 
give me some advice. Give me, give me some advice, Tyler. I haven't been with a woman in a long time. Give me some advice. <laughs> <laughs> Neither have I. So, um, <laughs> but all that I know is that um, when eventually I did come out um, to kind of move into the next phase of it, she she was completely shocked. I, I actually messaged her and I apologized um, for leading her on because I felt like to kind of redeem myself here a little bit. Um, I, I may seem like an asshole by doing that. And that's like a lot of people have told me that that that's like, why would you even go through with that? And the thing is, because I was confused. I was honestly confused and I knew, I knew what I liked on the side and I knew what I was interested in. But at the same time, I really did think especially through like conversion therapy that I was going to, that the best thing for me was to have a relationship with someone as long as it was a chick. And that's what I felt would be a cure for me in a lot of ways. So I treated it like that, but we got up to the point where she was um, her and I were really talking about, engagement rings. And I was going to go ask her dad for permission to marry this, this bitch. And I love her to death as a this person. Bitch. But <laughs> as I say that. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love how you just threw that out there. You're such a pimp. I swear. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh God. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was great. This yeah. bitch. Okay. But I love her. She's a good girl. Yeah. I love her. She's a good girl, but this bitch, she, um, <laughs> she, she told me, now this is what, this is what pissed me off. Okay. Um, she, she pissed me off because she said that she, she felt led by God to go to Kenya to be a missionary. Okay. And legit only this happens in Christian, the Christian world and like novellas. That's it. This is the only time where this happens ever is during a novella or during any kind of like Christian college experience of like, I really feel just the strong desire to, you know, to, to go and to go to Kenya and be a missionary and help out this missionary family that's been there for 30 years. One of our professors was from there too. You know, it was all of these things, you know, we're international Baptist college after all. So we might as well think big about the world. So we, um, she ended up breaking up with me um, literally a week before I was going to ask her dad, because I just felt so freaking obligated to do it because she was pressuring me. My best friend just got engaged and we're just still dating and I'm in no rush, obviously. And I felt like I can at least buy myself at least a year's worth of time on this. And then just kind of, we were both going very different directions at that point anyways. So I was glad that she broke up with me. I was so happy afterwards. I, I, I felt free. And I felt like that was the last time, thank God, that I would ever have to do something like that. Um, and thank goodness, it, it pretty much was. Um, there was a, a couple other times where there was like experimentation. But again, every time was just thinking about guys. And I'm like, why am I even trying this if, if it obviously is not working? And the thing I wanted to just say, I was like, maybe I could just say I'm bi because it, it's a little bit softer. And... Nope. Gay as fuck still. I can't do anything about that. Um, and I was <laughs> right. I always wondered that with, with guys that, you know, you meet through the years and they claim to be bisexual. Uh, I always think just say you're gay, but I guess there are yeah, people that are bisexual. There are. Yeah. There's, there's legitimately bisexual people, but I feel like a lot of them are pretending to be bisexual that aren't. 
And all I'm saying is because I don't know how many people and how many supposed straight guys that I was with that it would tell me the same thing. Oh, it's okay. My girlfriend knows and blah, 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 blah. And I'm bisexual and all this other shit. You start reading history about gay America and shit. And that stuff has been around for fucking years. So it's, you know, that's the oldest lie in the book, in my opinion. But I ended up like kind of moving on to the good part of this is that long story short, after all of this stuff was happening, I left Bible college, ended up getting plugged into this church even more so. Um, and was became the youth pastor like i said earlier i ended up um kind of leading the children's department all these other things which our church was still pretty small but 120 people and i started coming to grips with these people are not really my people and i was working at an arabic church at the time so i don't want to make it sound like that um i was working in an arabic christian church but they were also very baptist in their thinking and theology and I was helping a lot of like the the Syrian refugees and all of that stuff. So I was wait, wait a minute. Stuff, like, I'm trying, trying to, to pic- I'm, try- I'm trying to picture a Syrian Arabic believer putting his hand in the bag of snakes with the rest of the Southern Baptists and filling the Lord. <laughs> I just can't picture that. Right? I, they're, le- they're, they're they're leaving Islam for that. You know, pretty much. And, yeah. Uh, no, but. <laughs> So, you, so you, you've had a unique world, right? A to unique say the least, world. Man. So let me ask you this, though. At what point do you actually decide or did somebody push you into going to, didn't you say you went to religion there or to gay therapy? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I went to, I went to conversion therapy at one of the local churches that was here in, in Phoenix. And so I won't name names on it because a lot of the programs aren't, necessarily called conversion therapy, but it's a group of guys that are put in a room together with each other that have all the same problem, which is being homosexual apparently. And which sounds like a great place to hook up. Did did you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Were there any hotties there? (laughs) Well, uh, tell me why I would also get on grinder before I would go to the shit. Is it that's, that's the truth. Like, is it, I knew deep down that this is something that I can't change about myself. And once I finally came to grips with it, um, I found a reason um, to leave my church and it was the best reason ever. And it was because our, our pastor was a, um, it's a fraudster and, and he, he still is actively a fraudster in Arizona and was uh, literally like cheating on his taxes, all this other shit going on, which is all drama in and of itself was cheating on his wife with a board member all this other shit's going on all while um, I'm just trying to survive. And I end up losing a lot of my close friends um, because I end up leaving the church. And um, a lot of the guys that were in my youth group that I was their youth pastor, um, me leaving, they, they pretty much had nowhere to go. So I ended up doing like a house church or whatever, literally in my apartment here in North Phoenix like on Sundays for about like 40 minutes or whatever. And we would just chill and take it easy. That was pretty much it. And not do that would what be, they're that doing. Would be, that would be funny if you started putting like, you know, the, the rainbow on the background or the window, but you know, instead of being a Jesus rainbow, it's the gay flag. And you're, <laughs> you're sl- slowly, you're slowly replace yeah, you're slowly <laughs> letting them know where you stand. Was there a point where you did have to let go of your little flock? Cause I'd imagine at that point you're literally becoming their, uh, 
spiritual leader. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it, it was a big operation of five people. So, you know, not a, not anything huge, but I, I ended up pretty much canceling it because I didn't want to keep canceling on a guy I started dating. And it was my like first serious, like I was in a relationship before, but it was just for about it. It was less than a year and it wasn't very serious. So um, I met this guy who's my partner and now um, his name is Xavier and I met him and this is the the good ending of the story. Um, I met him at a really dark time in my life. And when I was kind of caught in between the crossfire of very big religion objections that I was just having personally with religion, not even the fact that I was gay in religion. And to add that into the mix, it made it almost unbearable to keep teaching this stuff because I felt like I was lying. And I felt for the first time that I was lying. And I saw how much I was lying to myself, to everyone else around me. And what would happen was I'd, I'd have these people over and then legit, I would time it in such a way where I would tell them I'm going to bed early or whatever, but I would actually be hooking up with my, with my boyfriend. People do that. And for, people do that for drugs, right? Get rid of their friends and family mm-hmm. so they can go meet their, drug, oh, yeah. right? get their, get their, oh, yeah. their drug dealer. So you were kind of really almost addicted to this situation. Mm-hmm. So be yeah, honest, and, be, be yeah. honest. Who had a softer mm-hmm. kiss, Priscilla or what was this guy's name again? That you said? <laughs> His name is Xavier. Yeah, was, so be honest. Who, always... who, who had a softer kiss, Priscilla or Xavier? Be honest, Tyler. Priscilla. Uh, did uh, it's... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I'm gonna, we got, Tyler, we got, we, we got to get Priscilla on the show because she's going to oh, disagree God. with that. She's going to say, Tyler, I don't care if you're gay. I had Oof. a softer kiss than Xavier. Does Xavier <laughs> have facial? She, does, does Xavier have facial hair? Very little. So that's why I'm saying. Right. I mean, she might have had more than him. So I'm just saying. I'm just, that's insane. <laughs> So was it was Xavier? Are you still with Xavier? I am. Yeah, he's actually in the next room. (laughs) And and um, you know, it's interesting because I don't necessarily believe that love lasts forever, right? There comes a point where you get over that um, uh, that little drug cocktail of meeting somebody new. But when you first met Xavier, was it just like heavenly? Like, did you just feel in love, or or I, I? no. And, and that, that's why I love him because he was so fucking normal and it was so great to meet a, a normal, like put together guy that, that is, that challenges me mentally on, on how I'm thinking, but also isn't a dick to me. And he, it's not condescending with him as it was in past relationships. Like this is, this is something for me that I've, I've just grown really to love this guy. And it started off as he was working literally right down the street from me. And we you, met you up look, you, by you, accident. Are, you look so beefy and manly and offensive lineman. Like, like I told you, is he the yeah. same? Is he a big, bigger guy or is he a smaller guy? No, he's like, he's probably like medium to large built. And that's okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys are walking in the mall, would people uh-huh. necessarily know that you were gay or would they just think there's two football players? 
No, they would know that they would definitely know. And, okay. and, and, and I'm, that's why, like, I would think so. Um, it, well, normally we'd be holding hands, but that would be <laughs> probably be the, the first indication. But now, Tyler, you know, in the 90s, yeah. when I was growing up, a guy would put his hand like in her back pocket of her Levi's and then she, oh, okay, and then yeah. she would do the same. You guys don't uh-huh. you, you and you and Xavier, you guys can't pull that one off, can you? Oh God! I can either confirm or deny that. I don't know, <laughs> but I may I may have just done that like two weeks ago in Gilbert, so I can't confirm that. But okay, Ty- Tyler, I, I may Tyler. Have done that. <laughs> okay, this one's this one's big. Okay, as a Christian, you love Chick Fil A. As a gay man, you're not supposed to eat there. <laughs> we all know Chick Fil A is addictive. They put something in there that's just really hard to say no to. Do you occasionally do you occasionally go stealth to Chick-fil-A when no one's looking? That smile says, hell yeah. God. That smile says, okay. Yeah. okay. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that the spicy, the spicy tenders are the shit. They are and they are amazing. I, okay. I love And their I mac and Chick-fil-A. cheese is okay. I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> uh, my my okay, so my daughter's mom's uncle is is gay. Okay. And he, okay. a, and he put a banner on Facebook and it was like, you know, you guys shouldn't eat here. They're against gay marriage, blah, 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 blah. And I don't mm-hmm. know why I was being a jerk, but I just wrote, God, that sounds delicious. I, I, I don't, God, that's, <laughs> I, he hasn't talked to me since my daughter called me and she's like, you're such a jerk, dad. But I'm telling you, food is one of those things where. You know, food comes before sexuality, doesn't it? I mean, if you're on an <laughs> island and they say you want you want some sex or you want some food, you're everyone picks food, right? It depends on the day and if you're talking about what kind of cake you're talking about eating, because that's ultimately could be a very different conversation. That's so right. that's <laughs> leaves none for the imagination. But yeah, no, it definitely does. <laughs> so did I, did I, did we get to the ending? Technically the ending is the fact that now you are living the life that you want to live. Now you are with yes. the savior. Is there plans to maybe yes. get engaged or married in the future? Or is there a wedding ring on? Has he put a ring on it? No, he hasn't put a ring on it yet, but um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where um you know, we, he just moved in with me, you know, officially um, probably like a couple months ago um, where he was staying before with, with his old roommates. So um, he's now living here and um, I'm happy about that. So did I don't, have, I don't did have, he have a timeline. Did he have any, you know? did he have any Priscilla's or girlfriends? In oh no, just a, just a, just an awkward forced kiss at NAU. And even then, everyone already knew he was out and gay. <laughs> oh, okay. And that was a, yeah. He was out a lot earlier. So, yeah, he was he was out around, I think, 14 or 15. So, he came out a lot earlier. So, it's like our stories are inverse in a way. Is it gross that you know what it's like to kiss a woman? Or do you not look at it like that? I don't, I don't view it like that. Like, I, I've never, like, I've just described it as, like, People have asked me because it was the common question that I was constantly asked every single fucking awkward question you could ever be asked by several of my friends who are like, how many times have you been fucked? What was the biggest dick that you liked? All of that stuff. Like, were you ever all of these things that were like, 
Were you ever attracted to anyone in the church? Or did you ever have a crush on the old pastor? Was there any like oh, wait, Tyler, Tyler, wait, tell us oh. that. Did, did you ever <laughs> did you ever have any older men that maybe hit on you that maybe they looked heterosexual living with a family from outward appearances? Mm-hmm. Did you ever have uh, are you talking um, just in general or in the church, church specifically? Church. In, because in, I in church, church. specifically. Yeah, um, I can't. I don't think so. No, not that I remember. And, and that's just like me being honest. I don't think so, but it's, it's very possible. I have been with several guys that were like middle-aged guys that were very active in their church, like a deacon. Um, I, I do remember that, but that was nothing. No one from my church. I was never that sloppy. So I always made sure it's a minimum of like 25 miles away from where I was looking because I had to make sure no one knew each other. I had to make Hi, sure Tyler, real quick, because we're at the end. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I think you're a really awesome guy. Thank you for being on Jesse Jameson and Friends. Can you tell everybody the name of your podcast and your website? So if somebody wants to visit you. Of course, absolutely. Um, you can go visit our podcast. Um, you can go actually to our website at religionrecovery.com. Um, we're on Instagram as well. It's just going to be a religion recover. Um, so we're trying to build up on Instagram and stuff like that too. So give us a follow if you can. Um, if you want to as well, we have, uh, we have podcast streaming wherever you get services normally. So if you, if you have Apple, uh, if you have, you know, podcast app, whatever it is, um, we're, we're an Apple podcast, also Spotify, Google podcasts, all that stuff. So, um, go check it out. Um, we're also on anchor FM as well. So, um, we have all of that linked up just to our front page. So should be fairly easy to access anything you need to listen to. And if you, if you ever have any questions too, please feel free. You can always hit me up at my personal one, which is Tyler. It's T Y L O R S is in Scott Montgomery, M O N T G O M E R Y. That's my Instagram handle. If I could pick a longer one. So, yeah. So, so if you, if you're interested in learning more about Tyler, go to his website. I'm just going to tell you, go to, Go to the Catholic Church. We'll we'll see you guys next week. (laughs) You have a wonderful week, everybody. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.